Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. Rhonda Y. Britton, pastor of the New Horizons Baptist Church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's a joy for us to visit today with Dr. Rhonda Britton, the lead pastor of New Horizons Baptist Church in Halifax, Nova Scotia in Canada. Thank you, Dr. Britton, for spending some time in conversation with us today about flourishing in ministry. It is a joy to be here with my Lot Carey family. Wonderful. Well, as you uh, are very much aware, because you were a generous host uh, to over 50 pastors who came to Nova Scotia on uh, an international pilgrimage around striving and thriving. Uh, so you're familiar with our idea about exploring and imagining what our formula for flourishing might mean, mm-hmm. uh, where um, we do not assume that uh, every round goes higher and higher, uh, but we sometimes talk about uh, a tree and that there are times where there are leaves and other times there may be blossoms and sometimes the leaves are falling away and sometimes there's nothing but branches and limbs but still the tree is flourishing and thriving and there are different metaphors about flourishing but from your perspective as a pastor can you talk to us about what flourishing and ministry looks like to you i love your tree metaphor of course for me flourishing in ministry is exactly like that. Um, It means uh, being able to endure all the changing seasons with an eye on purpose. You have to stay focused on why you're doing what you're doing. A sense of accomplishment or continuous progress toward that purpose um, and a measure of joy in the Lord as, as one does the work. 
there are times when the journey is hard and <laughs> I, I purposely do not say it seems hard, it is hard. It is truly hard. Enduring that hardship like a good soldier, as Paul says to Timothy, um, requires holding fast to the belief that God has called you to the work. To draw on the metaphor of the tree, when the branches are bare, you have to remember that the tree still lives. Seeing the ministry work as your assignment from God helps you to stay the course and to feel encouraged knowing God does not abandon those whom God calls. Continuing the idea about our formula for flourishing, this idea holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus service context yields ministry content, there's a higher probability for flourishing. So we don't see it as necessarily linear and sequential, but mm -hmm. they are uh, related and reciprocal, this idea of capacity, context, and content. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little about how your context of service informs your content of ministry? Well, my ministry context, for those who don't know, is in Atlantic Canada, the far east coast of the country. I'm in Nova Scotia, as you mentioned. The region is known for uh, fishing. It's a maritime industry here. My church is located in the largest city of the region. So though it's not an urban church, like when you think of urban centers like Chicago or New York, it is more urban than its rural surroundings. It's all relative. <laughs> it's also a very historic place. And my church is a cornerstone of that history. My church was founded in 1832, you know, when blacks were still enslaved in the United States. Understanding the history its importance and impact on the people, the challenges of their life in a place where Blacks are less than 3% of the population, uh, the education and economic levels of the Black community, and the social justice challenges, all of that has helped define my ministry work as so much more than the Sunday worship and the midweek Bible study experience. Our church partners with other Black organizations to offer family learning initiatives to help families thrive. Um, we work to address the Black community relationship with law enforcement, uh, to address poverty and food insecurity in our area. We are starting a new initiative at our church with uh, law with uh, former in, inmate rein, in, reintegration so that we can help reduce recidivism in our community. Uh, we, we hold uh, periodic, periodically clinics for, for mental health and general health issues, um, addiction recovery groups, um, all of these kinds of works. So our ministry um, extends to social activism as well uh, to address systemic inequities uh, here in Canada, in Nova Scotia particularly including anti-racism training of law enforcement. So I think very much um, my ministry has 
been shaped by the context uh, that I found here. And I'm just grateful that I was flexible enough uh, to, to adapt to it. And, uh, and I think, you know, our church is pleased with the work that we do in community. One of the reasons that we wanted uh, our pastors on pilgrimage to come to Nova Scotia has to do with the historical context of Nova Scotia and in the 1780s when black loyalists uh, to the British crown uh, left the United States to go to Canada um, as a reward uh, for their loyalty to the British crown in the, in the, in the war. And they went there uh, expecting uh, life to be much better, expecting land and resource. And, and then part of the lore in the United States is that, you know, Canada was a land of freedom and the promised land and all of that. Yes. But you helped us to see more clearly something of realities of that historical context and how it continues to influence. Can you say a word about what that kind of history means in, in the life of, of your ministry? I think that the history of this place and of my church and the people who have led the church in years past um, informed the, not only you know, our community and uh, the fact that you know we are 188 years old, you know, still going strong, but it helps us in our relationships with the city um, as we try to uh, address some of the inequities that we see. I think it also gives people a sense of pride to say that you know we have been here, we have been a, contrib a contributing part of our society, a positive part of our society. And, uh, and we um, expect, you know, to be treated as such. Um, we, we make uh, demands to, for our city and for our governments to recognize the contributions of Black people and what Black people have done. And it causes us to be able to draw on our past um, victories, our past experience, um, the ways that our ancestors have overcome to encourage us in our current battles. So I think that learning the history of this place, which you know I knew a little, but I didn't know what I know now, um, but learning the history of this place has been a tremendous, tremendous uh, a blessing to me because I can better understand what it is that people are dealing with and how is it that they need uh, you know, the church to come alongside and be a part and recognize uh, who they have always been as proud African Nova Scotians and what they have done to carve out a place uh, in this country. You've helped us think a little bit about how context informs the content of ministry. Can you talk to us a little bit about how your capacity as a pastor or how the capacity of a pastor contributes to the content of ministry as well? Yes, um, as I said, I think that coming to this place and learning what I've learned um, has helped to stretch me. And I think that 
that formula is fairly simple because no matter the context of ministry, if a pastor does not have the capacity to meet the needs of that context, it's going to be a difficult assignment and it's going to make the relationship between pastor and people less fruitful. So I think, um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever go to a place uh, where maybe you haven't thought about your way, you know, the way that you can uh, move in a certain context, because it may open up uh, something in you that you weren't even aware that you had. You may just discover that you have more capacity than you thought you had through that experience. But I think it is it's uh, a worthwhile um, exercise to make sure when you are looking at places where you might do ministry. Uh, to, to understand what that context is ahead of time. So I think that even though a, a pastor, um, you know, may not be able, be able to address every need, having a good team around you is also a way. Um, you know, we always say this thing, you know, higher to your, higher to your deficiencies, right? Um, so if you're a good preacher and you're going to be working with somebody, you don't need another good preacher. You need somebody who can get out there, you know, and walk around the community, maybe do some evangelism or feed some hungry folks or something like that. So I think you need to, to, to keep all of that kind of thing in mind so that you don't become frustrated um, in the ministry. Um, a pastor who is a frustrated pastor is not going to be able to accomplish much. Can you think of an example of some capacity that you have that you have found to be really helpful as a pastor? I mean, you bring, um, it's not like uh, as a, a little girl, you decided I'm going to be a pastor and then made a beeline to your preparation. Uh, the Lord uh, had you do some other things in corporate America and you've got several uh, degrees and you've done really interesting things. Um, and the Lord called you to be a pastor. Uh, can you think of maybe an example of some kind of aspect of your capacity that the Lord has uh, planted in you somewhere in the journey that has proven to be really helpful as you seek to lead the church? You know what? I am often amazed at some of the things that I, I think back on and draw on from my corporate career. One of the things that I, I take note of is the fact that when I was in corporate America and I was working in IT, that I never wanted to be a person who sat in front of a computer screen and, uh, and did the bits and bytes all day long without human interaction. I always tried to, to have a human aspect to my job. So I always wanted to be in service with uh, of people, uh, talking with people, learning about people and what they do, and then seeing how what I do could help them. And uh, so when I, when I started in, uh, in information engineering, and trying to figure out um, what information people needed in my, uh, in my company to do their jobs well. When I started looking at processes and how people use the information that they get and what could give us the biggest return for our efforts um, when we're flowing information through the corporation, 
those are the things that have helped me a lot in ministry, looking at, uh, okay, what is it that we are trying to do? What kinds of helps do we have? What kind of information do we need? And if we don't have enough information where we can get it, and then how can we use it in a way that advances our cause, you know, more efficiently and more effectively. That kind of business sense uh, or that experience in my, in my business career has helped me a lot in, in the church. And I'm, re I'm greatly, I'm reminded all the time actually about the interview that I had when I was getting ready to go to seminary. And I was kind of, you know, I was a little upset with the Lord because, <laughs> because I had done a master's degree um, and no sooner had I graduated from, from this business degree, then the Lord said, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's the wrong degree. And I'm like, why did you tell me that <laughs> like two years ago, three years ago? So, so here I am now going back to get a master of divinity degree after I've just finished getting a, a master in information studies um, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm in this interview with, uh, Princeton, cause I was, I was thinking of going to Princeton and I'm talking to the admissions officer and he starts telling me this, you know, nothing in the kingdom is wasted. So if you went through that, you know, you've done this work in the past, God is going to use it. And I don't know if I was skeptical, but I did receive it in that sense. And he told me this story about his own life and being an architect or working in, with architecture and, uh, and then being called to ministry. And one of the first churches that he was called to needed all of this work done that he could use his architectural knowledge to accomplish. And, uh, and so that started me to thinking, okay, maybe one day God's gonna use my ability to draw a flow chart. I don't know, <laughs> but it has helped me. It has helped me in ministry. So I'm, I'm glad um, that nothing is wasted in the kingdom. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world. We collaborate with indigenously-led communities to bear good and faithful witness to Christ Jesus through ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment and advocacy in Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Europe, North America, Oceania and South America. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You too can help to extend the Christian witness throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for praying for and investing in the good news globally through word and deed. Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. 
I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the learning coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now, back to more of his interview with the Reverend Dr. Rhonda Y. Britton, pastor of the New Horizons Baptist Church located in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Can you talk to us a little bit about some area of leadership that you have had to develop as a pastor uh, so that the Lord can use you the way that the Lord is, is using your life? Most definitely, the area of leadership I've had to develop is to be a better listener um, and to be uh, more patient <laughs> with people. Um, I, I'm originally from Florida, but I've been out of Florida longer than I, than I lived there, right? Because when I left to finish college, I never went back to live there. Um, and so I came into adulthood truly in New York and New Jersey, very fast paced places compared to my hometown in Florida. I adapted to the faster pace very well. I, I think it absolutely suits my personality. Um, you know, I always say to people, I talk fast, I walk fast and Lord, I do drive fast. And so this faster paced person is kind of who I am. In Nova Scotia, I've had to slow my pace, um, repeat myself, revisit issues, explain repeatedly to people to ensure that people are with me and I'm not running ahead. It has been a conscious exercise on my part to slow down because I'm an A personality and you know, it's kind of like get it done, get through it, get it, catch the point, you know, get to the point. Nova Scotians talk a, a long time before they get to the point. <laughs> and I'm just not that way. So I've had to retrain myself to wait on people, to let people get it all out, to slow my pace, to even slow my mind, you know, so that I'm not running ahead of people. So tell us what brings you the most joy as a pastor. I think my greatest joy hasn't changed over the years. I think I'm right there with the angels in heaven rejoicing anytime somebody receives the Lord Jesus Christ, because I remember that our principal purpose in ministry is to make disciples. But I think what has changed is my understanding of what making disciples means. Um, my spirit, you know, leaps when somebody accepts the gift. And you know, if you've been preaching and you're like, okay, Lord, where's the fruit? And somebody comes and says, I want Jesus. That gets you all excited. And you are excited for what God is going to do in the life of that person. But as I remind them, that is just the beginning. What gives me even greater joy is when I see the light bulbs go on, when they're sitting around a teaching, even if it's, it might be baptism class, it might be, you know, that now they're members of the church and they come to the regular Bible study or whatever the case is. Sometimes it's after a, a sermon on Sunday morning and somebody hangs back just so they could say to you, 
that really spoke to me today. And here's why. This is what I've been going through. And now I understand this. And when you see those, those light bulb moments, um, when you can see in a person, even if, if they can't see it, the growth that they're experiencing, uh, you know, in, in learning about the Lord and what God wants for them and, and how God has his hand in their lives and, and how God has opened doors and made ways or done something, as that light grows, my joy increases. Um, it, it's like people say, I've never understood, you know, what this particular scripture meant. And of course, you know, five years from now means something different for them, depending on where they are in their life. But, but in those times when people really get a grasp, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually making some inroads here, or the Holy Spirit is, um, and, we're, and together we are working to accomplish the making of disciples. And uh, I think that's my greatest joy. Somewhere along the line, you may have received what, what you might call the best advice somebody gave me about pastoral leadership. What would that be? One of the top contenders is a very practical piece, piece of information. Keep good records. <laughs> I had a professor in my practical class drive that home. Whatever you do, keep good records. And that has served me in ministry and in life, and in life. Um, it has saved my bacon a few times. I have had times when I didn't have a good record of something, but I have had more times that I've had excellent records and that has worked um, to clear up some misunderstandings. And as I said, to save me uh, out of the fire, out of the frying pan. The second thing I would say that's a top contender for me was from a retired pastor who told me um, to just love the people, love the people. It is not far, of course, from our Lord's command, uh, his instruction for us to love one another. What I find is loving the people in your charge will help make the assignment a joyful experience. Any pastor listening knows that the people can take you through the ringer. You know, there are those well-intentioned dragons in every congregation and sometimes um, those hardships and those disappointments can discourage a pastor. But if you make the decision to love, and you have to remember it is a decision. It is not based on your emotion. It is a decision to love people despite those hardships and disappointments, um, despite the truly unlovely ways that people uh, you know, bring uh, to you, the, the ways that they uh, react towards you, the ways sometimes that they actually treat you, very unlovely ways. Um, when you decide to love them in spite of that, I think it, the reward for that is peace of mind and protection of your own heart so that you don't become a bitter, you know, resentful kind of person. So I think um, deciding to love um, lets Jesus, you know, massage your heart and bring you, you back to the place 
of love always if you're willing to forgive and to let some things go. Well, Dr. Britton, there are pastors in different seasons of their lives who listen to the podcast. If you're going to offer a word of advice to a pastor or an aspiring pastor listening about what she or he or they may do to flourish in ministry, what word of advice would that be? To flourish in ministry, I would, I would say first consider the love that I just spoke about. That love is possible because guarding your heart is part of your own spirit care. So you can love and keep things in perspective when you have embraced the discipline of self-care. Tend to yourself. Make sure that you are healthy in mind, body, and spirit. You have to have sometimes that person or group or whoever to connect with that you can talk things out. Um, you have to have someone that you trust. You can get a different perspective. I think those things all go a long way in being a, a healthy person um, and in taking care of your own well-being. You cannot be a good pastoral leader if you are not healthy. And uh, so you have to make spirit care a priority. I think that's um, a critical piece that I would, I would express to anyone in terms of how they can flourish. Um, if you're falling apart, you're, you're no use to anyone. So find that thing that relaxes you, find what renews you, you know, take your vacations, take your days off, um, allow someone else to preach 10 or 12 times a year. They, you're still going to be the pastor. You ain't got to be in the pulpit every week, you know, and, and manage your stress, right? See what bridges you're crossing before you, you, you come to them. What, why are you going against what Jesus teaches us in terms of worrying about tomorrow and all of the trouble of tomorrow um, when you need to focus on what's in front of you right now? Mindfulness is truly... Um, a discipline. Um, it's an update to foster's disciplines of, of uh, silence and solitude, right, and meditation. So mindfulness, so that you can manage uh, what's going uh, in and, and what's stressing you and keeping that under control. And the second piece of advice I would give um, is to keep good records. No. <laughs> But seriously, um, to flourish in ministry, I, I, would, I, would, I would advise people to follow their hearts. Um, there are many churches and many preachers you know, across the world. What is marvelous is the way that God uh, plants a main message in the heart of the preachers that he calls. I always say that my aim is, my, my ministry has always been about helping people to realize who they are in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit working in them and, and, um, and allowing Holy Spirit to work so that they have this full life that Jesus wants for all of us. And so um, God plants a main message in the hearts of preachers that he calls. So you can you know, do your best to find a good fit 
the context that, that you can serve well. Um, you may decide that rather than a context that, that matches your style, that you want to stretch yourself and go into a different context, that's also a possibility of growth for you. But whatever you do, wherever you go, do your best to serve God and God's people being led by the message that God has given you in your heart. Dr. Rhonda Britton, the pastor of the New Horizons Baptist Church in Halifax, Nova Scotia in Canada. Thank you, Pastor Britton, for the generosity of your time and wisdom as we've been talking together about flourishing in ministry today. Thank you, Dr. Goley, and God bless you and keep you. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Mm-hmm.